Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of love, the show of equality. And today, we're going to be talking about a poem called Litany by Billy Collins. Today's guest is Joe Eifler, one of the principal operators of Tipsy Texan. Tipsy Texan, if you didn't know, has published a book, has taught classes, has served you drinks, and has helped you understand and demystified many of the cocktails that are commonplace today. It's a really wonderful group, and I'm looking forward to see what they do next. And Joe kind of talks about where the idea came from and where the idea is going. But I think most importantly, one of the things about this conversation I think probably resonates the most is, you know, understanding Joe as a, as a gay man who had to come out to a Catholic family, but not only a Catholic family, but a Catholic family in Texas this is kind of an uphill struggle for a lot of people, and it's nice to hear the contrast he and David have. So without further ado, let's go ahead and give a listen to my interview with Joe Eifler. A lot of things to clean up. Still? Uh, or just the, the drunken dismay that you caught? You actually weren't that drunk, but I'm sure a lot of people were. Yeah, I That takes some cleaning up sometimes I, uh, with the family. So uh, someone posted a picture of us doing karaoke and like, uh-huh. were they sober at their own wedding? I'm like, well, in the chefs, you don't really have time to do no, much. No, you can't. You know? it's, it's task, task, yeah. task. Right. So I had a drink every now and then, like yeah. I was holding, but it invariably was sat down somewhere. And well, and, and everybody stops you to congratulate yeah. you. You don't get to spend like, quality time no. with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird It is a weird thing. Does it feel any different now? Not, I mean, not as such. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been together 10 years. I, that's so. right. That's kind and of what actually, I didn't know. You were getting married? No, no, no. I, <laughs> I was kidding. getting married. <laughs> but uh, standing up there, I didn't think I would struggle as much with the vows as I did. You were you were beating yourself up about being teary-eyed about it. And I was like, for some, were, was it just that you weren't anticipating of being so moved by the moment or that you just don't, you're one of those. No, I think it was types. moved by the moment. Did you not want to be or you just didn't no, think No, no, I just wasn't, in, I didn't. Yeah, anticipated. You know, you. I was like, I'm just gonna plow right through this, no yeah. problem. And no as soon chance. As I, the right? first like five words, I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh oh, <laughs> I'm not gonna make this. <laughs> was it? Was it looking at David? Was it in the moment? Was it just this culmination of all the things that kind of drove you? To I think it was the whole thing. You know, yeah. Phil had just read his the poem, right? Right. Um, Which is a great poem. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. And so we didn't know what he would read. You know, we yeah, that was part of the things. Like you pick it. You know, so you so have no idea like how it's gonna keep like just keep you on your toes that particular poem. Yeah, it was. Awesome. It's funny, you know. We, Jessica and I were talking about that poem actually, mm-hmm. Litany, right? Billy Collins. Collins, right? yeah. Collins. I, I think there's a really important point in there, and that is that sometimes we feel like we have to be everything for each other, mm-hmm. the people that we love, you know. But in actuality, the reason that it works is because we're not everything to each other. We're the things that we're good at that 
we're not personally good at in other ways like so i'm not a good communicator let's say Mm -hmm. but you're a great communicator and so that's what makes it work like you can't be everything to everybody but the things that you're great at is what makes you love somebody right a lot of those things are what brought you together yeah and sometimes people i think fall into the trap of trying to change themselves because like oh maybe if i did this it'd be you know so to be everything right well i want to be how many times have you heard someone say i want to be everything to every to this person I've heard that so many times and it's like, that's just it sounds be so yourself. cheesy. Yeah, it does. It does, it does right? <laughs> it's, it's really and maybe cheesy. it was in a Cinemax movie from the early nineties. Uh-huh. I can't recall now, but it, it is one I of those things. Like everything to you. I'll be your everything. Yeah, no, no, that is definitely a song lyric. <laughs> I'll be your everything. I know. That is definitely a song. It yes. has to be. Yeah. So did you guys, it's I, boys I, to men. <laughs> it's, no, it's it is boys to men. No, no it's not. is it all for one? That was one, right? That was a band. And then there was oh, all God, for one. Joe see Wait, what did all for one sing? What's, am I thinking? Uh, no, no. I'll make love to you. Is that's boy by the, Oh no! And I swear. By I the swear moon. by the yeah. moon. Who's that? Isn't that all? Oh, is it? Is that what they're called? Or am I thinking of some kind of Nickelodeon show that had all a for one sounds like band? a boy band? I don't know. <laughs> it is. It, was, it had to have been a, a boy band. Oh, it's I like forget this, about that song. The Zack Attack. They were good, right? <laughs> I don't know who that is. For Saved by the Bell, the fictional oh, band. Oh, God. I know, but sometimes I get it mixed up. I'm getting older now, you know? Nope. I know. It's not bad. It's not bad. But that was a great song. I'll Make Love? Or- that one. And I Swear. By the, by the moon, moon and the stars and the, yeah. and the sky. It's, it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, well, all right. It's I always okay. forget about half of those songs from... The early nineties. Uh-huh. Why do you forget? I forget. Uh, well, I re- as soon as I hear them, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" Yeah. You know, especially when doing karaoke, you're like, "Yes, shit! Why can't I think of any of these things?" Oh, and Vogue, that's one that's never going to get. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. Never go- one of the best acapella rounds ever. Uh-huh. Great, right? Wait, some a group of girls did that at the holiday party last year. Did they really? I feel like Jessica Sanders and somebody did it. No shit. I think so. How'd it turn out? Awesome. Well, yeah. Awesome. Jessica pretty much always brings her A game to yeah, karaoke. Great, so I'm actually really looking. Not like it's a surprise. I play it off like it's like it's not a great, like not the best event of USBG oh, the uh-huh. year. But I play it off like, oh no, yeah, I'm looking forward to that this year. Fuck yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great again. Mm-hmm. I got to sing Pinkerton. Sorry, I got to sing a Weezer song from Pinkerton with Mike Sanders and Jessica. Oh, really? What y'all yeah. sing? We sang El Scorcho. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That, that was, yeah, it was great. I think man. I remember y'all dabbling about it before. <laughs> yeah. And then Ladina and I said some Beatles song, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. no, it's always Beatles because we know we know the interplay of the harmonies and stuff, uh-huh. you know. So You know that catalog? Yeah. Not so bad. It's not a bad catalog to know. No. So week out. You feel I mean, ten years is, is obviously a really long time. Yeah. Um Does it feel somehow do you hold your head up higher or something? Like well, you're recognized by the state, the federal government. I mean, like all of these great things. That, I know you guys got your license, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatnot. Yeah. But that's got to be, there's got to be something that feels no, great about that. It is. Um, I would say the the first few days afterward, you know, we were both off Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. And just kind of lazily kind of lounging around and hanging out. I'm just right. like, mm, yeah, we're married. I'm like, <laughs> Do we call each other husbands? Do we still call each other partners? Yeah, what, what do you we... do? What's the be- Tell me what the best word is. I don't know. Uh, it's, Mates? Uh, <laughs> hey, mate. <laughs> Some people yeah. say husband. They'll just like, oh, your uh-huh. husband. How do you feel about that? I don't know. It's, it's kind of okay. weird because it has a lot of baggage with husband. You know, sure. You know, 
growing up Catholic. Oh, dude. Know, husband there's a is, lot of husband, wife, marriage is like a big, right? how does this fit sort mm-hmm. of thing. So I haven't settled in, on any one thing. Yeah. And I don't know that he it's has. The, yeah. Now, his funny uh, HR at his company sent him a note. They're like, congratulations uh, on your marriage. Let me know when you're you're ready to put your wife on, oh. <laughs> on your insurance <laughs> or your bride and blah, blah, blah. He just was like, ha ha. And his boss was copy. And then he got email about 10 minutes later. He's like, congratulations. Let me know when you want to put your husband on your insurance. <laughs> but think about that. Think about how... Well, people's natural when you right, say you're married is... Absolutely. But think about what that does to the organization to make them think about it differently. Yeah. That that event single handed if you if you even think about it like because he's working for Patron right yeah um, to think about maybe that's never come up yeah that's maybe what I asked not. him when, when I came I was like maybe you're the first yeah gay maybe person that he's works for Patron. changing the organization right. I mean you guys together are kind of changing the dynamic of how people feel about that and how do you feel about it like overall do you think the nation's kind of becoming warmer to the concept of two men getting married. Or do you think it's still pretty like? Uh, I think it's a very divisive issue still. Yeah, and I think yeah, it was interesting. I was reading an article about um, <coughs> the um, ordinance in Houston. Yeah, what's the fresh fresh mind? Uh, it is um, a non discrimination ordinance against transgender and various oh, various wonderful. other things. Yeah, um, or they're updating the the ordinance basically. Yeah, okay. There's a lot of pushback against it. And one of the comments Why? in the article was. Well, because the Supreme Court has now legalized right, right. same-sex marriage, now they're latching on to other things. You know, they're, they're focusing their energies on something else because they feel like they've lost that, that battle. I see. So I it's see. like, okay. well, screw this. There's going to be uh, guys going to women's restroom and assaulting women. I'm like, I don't really that think that's think how that, that works, happens. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, be like, I wish I had that. Yeah. You know? That's, that, yeah. It, don't you feel like we're in... A narrative of people being against the people like because it's kind of like left versus right it's yeah. just it seems like we're talking in platitudes and there's a lot of other conversations in which people are reasonable coming into the center and all that stuff but like why was it ever an issue in the first place that people couldn't deal with two men two women getting married like it didn't seem like a big deal to me ever right i mean my mom grew up in san fran and stuff and so maybe that's what it was but it just never felt like you know Oh, this is a problem. It's like you guys love each other. Well, fucking go, go make yourselves miserable. I don't. I could give a shit less, you know. Well, it, I think that that changed a lot. You know, um, marriage in the many decades, you know, dec- or hundreds of years, you know, thousands right. of years ago, whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, was the a contract. Catholic it's sense. just a contract yeah, until the yeah. church got a hold of it, and then it became a sacrament. You know, the church didn't ever was never involved in marriage per se. Yeah, it was just a civil union. Uh huh as I understand it. Um, the church gets involved and then it becomes a sacrament and you get kind of all those things around it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a religious perspective. Right. You know, I, I struggled with it. Uh, you know, I grew because, up Catholic right, okay. and I was just kind of like, I don't know. I, I never really thought much about it, yeah. but as the courts and things were moving along, I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I mean, I love David. Yeah. He's the love of my life. We love, you know, being around one another. And, yeah. And, um, so I, I had a tough time with that. And so I had a tough time with it such that I didn't tell my parents in time for them to be able to be there. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's why my parents weren't there because oh, they were out that. of the country. 
I told them prior to them leaving, but that the, all the right. things were in motion. You know, but it was, was no. It's not a surprise to them that you and David have been together for a while. Right? Oh God, no. Yeah, they've no. known for. for yeah, a I mean, yeah. No, was that, a, mean, was that a, originally a hard conversation? I mean, because you're saying you grew up in grew up Catholic, right? Yep. In the Catholic Church. Where did you grow up? Uh, in Texas. I grew up in Dallas. Oh, I mean, Dallas. I started first grade in Texas. Oh, okay. We moved around when I was a kid. Born right. in Kentucky. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I've been for the in most Texas. part, yep. Texas is your home. Yep. I mean. I moved around a lot too, and yeah. I had different kinds of reasons to feel out of out of place and like try to understand who I was. Uh-huh. Kind of moving through God like three or four times in middle school and high school and all that. But but so Dallas, how was that being in the school system and stuff? I mean, is it a pretty pretty okay place? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I went to public school up until high school. Yeah, um, and then I went to Jesuit, which is a the college prep. Okay, in Dallas. Yeah. Um, you know, like unlike David, David was open early. You know, yeah. he's like fairly teen, young. Teens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I didn't really come out. I guess a few people mm-hmm. in Dallas prior to me moving, right? Um, or you know, people suspect or whatever. And uh, until David and I, until my went to my family, until David and I were together for a year. Oh wow! And then I I went up. It was a Thanksgiving. I think it was a Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It was whatever it was. It was some holiday where my sisters had screwed up and they were both gone. Oh no! Like, okay. So it was just mom, dad, and I. Yeah. And I was like, man, what's good? What right time is there? You know? Yeah. <coughs> and so I like, well, I'm gonna go back early. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, why? I'm like, oh, I just need to get home. You know? And <laughs> I, I drove around. off and yeah. I turned around. And I came back. Like, what's going on? And I kind of told them. Yeah. And. Uh, my mom has um, gay siblings. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Like uh, sisters or brothers? A, a sister and a brother. Oh, no kidding. Okay. And so, you know, she's like, "Oh gosh, like how long have you known?" I'm like, "Well, I've actually known since fourth grade." <laughs> Did they feel out of the loop a little bit at that point? Or uh, I mean, Dad was not happy. I mean, it was it was a, and yeah. I, at Christmas I came back and they were also the girls were also not there, so it's just oh, the two wow. of us. So it was a it was a rough. I would say it was a, a, a rough coming out. Right. Um, but a, a lot of that was coming from the standpoint of the church the and church, teachings and right. your soul and all those types of things. And and I totally understood that, but mm. it doesn't change who you are. That's right. right? You can't change and who you are just because something says you shouldn't be that way, you know? That's right. And this is the person whom I've fallen in love with. Yeah. And uh, oh man, love is one of those things too. Like it's, yeah. you, no one's going to tell you otherwise. And so that next Thanksgiving, uh-huh. uh, which would have been our second, like that day and I were together, right. I was like, we're coming. He's coming. Yeah. I'm not doing another holiday away, you know, yeah, yeah. apart, you know, he's coming. So he came. I remember dad, David and I were popping the turkey in the fryer. Uh-huh. And dad's sitting there and I'm sitting there and David's standing there and dad looks around. He looks at his watch and he goes, so is it too late for a martini? <laughs> and David goes, no, sir, it's not. And runs inside and whips up martinis. <clears throat> but, you know, a lot of our nieces and nephews, of which we have 11, no, no different. They, you know, they don't. Yeah. Well, they don't, but perhaps this is the the opportunity for them to be exposed to what is a very positive and loving couple well, that would change their mind. About it's it. a generational thing. So yeah. when my sister who has the set, she has seven kids. Uh, Jesus. Sorry. She, Jesus. She, they drove to their, they went to parents weekend to their, their oldest kids college uh-huh. and they sat down like, well, here's something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uncle Joe and David are going to get married. And Michael's like. So, can I go? Amazing. And they're like, uh, d- 
did you know he was gay? He's like, duh. David's been coming around for what, like three years? And they're like, well, try 10. He's like, 10? Well, whatever. Can I go? Let's go. And so so then they moved down like to the next two. And they're like, duh, you know? (laughs) And like, well, how do you know? Like one of them was like, Facebook, duh. (laughs) (laughs) So as they move, she's just telling the stories that she moves down the line, you know? Seven kids, one. The young ones, you know, the the one of the the youngest boy, Mm -hmm. he was kind of like, what? I don't understand. You know, he was yeah, kind of like, well, yeah. I don't know. But he has known no different. I mean, David yeah. has always been around in his life. So it's to you, to him, it's yeah. like, well, he just cool, doesn't get whatever, it. He's man. like, whatever. Yeah. It's not, it's not different. It's not atypical. It's just two people. Right. They're hanging out. They love each other. Right. It's positive. Right. I mean, that that's actually a really wonderful harbinger of the future, I hope. I think right? so. Yeah. You know, even in Texas, because Texas is, God, why were we the last ones or close to the last to, to even acknowledge that. Why do we keep fighting, holding out, you know? It's it's such a weird thing because we're in Austin, so we're kind of insulated. Yeah. But even when some of the, <coughs> the states in the South are like, all right, all right, all right, all right, fine. Right. We'll recognize it. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about what is essentially kind of this incongruence with being a gay man in a marriage in fucking Texas where they don't, they don't like it. They don't like it one bit. Greg Abbott would take that away, you know? Well, I sometimes think that many of the excuse me, many of the politicians believe fifty percent of the things that come out of their mouths. I yeah, suspect. it's fair. That's definitely fair. Um, and I, I think in, I think what we're seeing today, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, many people are like, "This is a Christian nation," and all these types of things, and right. and the, the founding fathers. I'm like, no, no, no. It's everyone's forgetting we're a secular nation yeah, we were absolutely. a secular government that's, that's how we were yeah spe- we were founded yeah absolutely exactly like that yeah yeah uh it, it is not that you know god should be in the classroom and in the government right, and right. the church i mean i don't mean god i mean the church i know what you mean yeah the, yeah, the yeah. entity of the church right uh isn't supposed to be meddling no you can have your faith and that can guide your decisions yes. and your actions but, but it doesn't it is frame not, legislation. It is not. That's right. Yeah. It is not framing up laws right. and 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 people are you know, they talk about activist judges and all of these types of things. Like yeah. no, the, the courts are there for this purpose. Absolutely, they're there to protect us from ourselves. Really, yes, that's what they're really doing. Right. You know, you can't you can't just decide to like oh it's not discrimination. Uh, it is it discrimination. Is discrimin- just, just because you think it's not right. discrimination, yeah. it's it's so weird. I. I when I was in middle school, I'd say so, so mid nineties. I think we're roughly the same age. You might be a couple years old. I'm 35 now. No, I'm 42. You look like you're 31. It's so nice, stop nice making me it. feel feel bad and with all this gray hair. But I remember Nick and Knight premiered. Nick at Night, premiered. Uh-huh. and I would watch My Three Sons, Donna Reed, Dobie Gillis, all these old ass shows. By the way, that my my parents knew that I didn't really know. Sure, I was yeah. like, oh man, time really seemed different. And for some reason, I feel like what modern politics are and this is not a political conversation it's merely just to frame where people are coming from right modern politics at least for certain people on certain sides are the donna reed show and leave it to beaver and i love leave it to beaver (coughs) still to this day (coughs) but it is about the woman being in the kitchen Mm -hmm. the man goes to work nine to five comes home to a, a nice crisp martini and when the kids mouth off 
He whacks him, sends him to bed. I mean, that's how simple TV made it. And I think that that's the idyllic situation for so many people. And to change that dynamic, oh, the woman's at work. She's working. Mm-hmm. Wait, she doesn't have a husband. Oh, what? This is all fucked up. This nation's gone to shit. It's like when in reality, it's never even been like that. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. so strange to see it. And I'm, I am so one, I'm privileged to have been invited to the wedding, but two, I'm so looking forward to love dominating and love persevering above everything else because you and david that's not an issue of two men getting married that's an issue of love resonating higher than anything else not to i'm I'm not trying to sing it as i mentioned earlier uh, in another podcast i'm not being neil diamond that's sure yeah you know but it's a very inspirational moment and you guys being who you are individually and then together that's powerful that resonates and that encourages people to follow in your footsteps and not feel like Texas can keep them down, mm-hmm. so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. So, when's the honeymoon? I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, we're thinking like Thanksgiving and the week after. Yeah, we just haven't really decided where. It's hard because you guys are both really busy. Well, we were we had talked about New Orleans, but like we can't spend that long in New Orleans. But then we started thinking, well, what if we just go multiple places? Greedy. Then we're like, we've never been to the Mid-Atlantic and spending time in the Mid-Atlantic. Uh-huh. We could go over there and just tootle around. Um, yeah. So I, we haven't really figured it out. It's, it's hard, right, when you're a, what one might call a working professional. Yeah. Where you guys are both traveling. You're yep. both doing events. It's really hard to kind of sit down and coordinate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does that ever pose a difficulty in the relationship itself? Like that you guys are so busy you don't make time for each other? Well, I think with David starting his new role. Yeah adjusting to his travel schedule has been mm-hmm. tough, tough because he spends a lot of time on the road. Yeah. I don't need, I can hardly, I can hardly catch him either. Like just texting stuff. You know? Sure. I, I was telling someone the, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, I'm not really hundred percent sure where he is. <laughs> and that's already, or only five or six months in. I'm like, I'm not really sure where the yeah. city he went to. Yeah. <coughs> um, it's, it's bound to be cool. It's bound to have a bar. Yeah. But where? I yeah. So it's funny today or this, well, it's this weekend, or as well, he was home. He's like, oh, you know, I really wish when I came home to be, you know, vegetables and stuff in the fridge, you know, like you would stock <laughs> yeah. up and whatever. There's never really any food here. I'm like, I don't, know, I don't really eat much when you're gone. I sort of graze and <laughs> yeah. stuff. And uh, and so then he posts on Facebook today, and he this picture of some gnarly ass malt meatball saw, mess, which looked amazing. God, it looked amazing. Which yeah. said first lunch. Uh, and so I called him. I was like, hey, well, how's it going? <laughs> So is the reason you want me to like stock up on all this healthy stuff because you're eating complete crap on <laughs> all the, road? the time on the road? Yeah, you can make a better choice. I'm Absolutely. just saying. But anyway, that's a sidebar. No, but that's really an important point. Michael Sanders, I talked was talking about that. Yeah, being on the road, whether in your band or whether you're a brand ambassador, or whatever you want yep. to call it, like you got you have to make good choices. You have to make those decisions. You do because you know you're going to be drinking and you can limit that. Yes, sure. but you have to make the right food choices. Yep. And that is something I think that people, you, it's hard to learn. And the only way you learn is 30 pounds later. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how do you, that's bound to be something you seem quite healthy, at least like dedicated to being fit as he, as he rolls his eyes. Maybe I, <laughs> well, I'm, maybe I'm you have blessed to be genetically <laughs> skinny. <coughs> but you um, take time out like and, and make sure that you're focusing on being healthy and, and relaxing and these kinds of things? Uh. 
I, I used to do it more, I think. Yeah. Uh, I used to be an avid runner. Oh, really? I don't okay. do much running anymore. Just getting too busy. You, that's a lame excuse. Anyone can say they're I, too busy. I am not bl- I am not pointing fingers, I um, promise you. I just don't make the time for it. Yeah. Uh, and I should. Mm-hmm. Also for me and the dog. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'd j- like Jigger it. Jigger need, could bit, benefit from I'm a little sure. running. Um, I... I have to get myself into that mindset of eating healthily, yeah. honestly. It is a ha- it's a habit, man. I'm a natural graze. I just graze yeah. for the most part. I don't if I'm left to my own devices, I don't really eat meals per se. Right. right. I just kinda get a little hungry and I Here's eat a, a little something nuts, and then I move on. Of, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And that's how my natural eating has But that's probably ends. why you can keep you know, nor of a normal weight, right? And kinda lean because I think that's one of the things too, is just you pick things up when you're hungry and you don't just gorge yourself once a day. It yeah. ends up being worse, you know. But it's an interesting thing. It's, I think it's really hard to balance. You find that I'm sure you're around alcohol a lot. Mm-hmm. And is it hard to kind of not say no, but maybe moderate? Although I am enabling you right now to drink mezcal. No, I don't think that's alcohol. hard. No. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, that's great because I think it becomes a, a, an issue with some people. And kind of I think, you know, I had an alcoholic gra- grandfather. Uh-huh. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and other family members who have had troubles with alcohol. Yeah. I still think in the back of my mind, that's always, you know, Looming, me and my yeah. siblings have always been kind of mindful mm-hmm. and, and watch out. Um, and I don't think it's something I consciously think about, but right. it never is, you know, boy, I need a drink right now. Yeah. I mean, if, if someone's not over or something, it, right. I mean, a lot of people look at that that the bar, vast bar you guys have, and they're yeah. like, "God, you drink every day." We're like, "No, actually." Here's the logical thing: because Ladia's dad saw the bar we had. Yeah, he said, "God, is he an alcoholic?" And I said, "No. If I was an alcoholic, there would be no bar. That's right. Yeah. It'd be gone. It'd right. be totally, totally done. You know, you wouldn't keep it. Yeah. yeah. Why would I keep it? But some there's something uh, comforting about having a nice bar. That's there's something social about that. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Like to your point, if people are over. I mean, or interviewing in my room upstairs that I can share, you know, share a bottle. Yeah, and it's fun. You know, different people like different things and are into different things. So, and and having kind of a a deep um, well of specific things like a lot of different bourbons to try or a lot of different mezcals to try and things like that. It's just fun to like experience those things together. It's what almost academic. Where it's like you can do, you can a b. You can taste a particular expression or some, I consider it the Mescaleros, I, well, one, the the brand, but two, the guys making it, that mm-hmm. it's interesting to see someone's way of painting a varietal in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you asked Van Gogh to paint a city skyline versus Monet versus Picasso, mm-hmm. obviously it's the same skyline, but it's going to be interpreted three completely different ways. Mm-hmm. So that that's where I guess where the bourbon, I've got multiple bourbons of the same type and things. It's wonderful just to see the, the, the minute differences, mm-hmm. you know, because it's all about that craftsmanship and how people yeah. impart their perspectives, yep. not to make it too artistic because sometimes bourbon is just bourbon. Right. Yeah. But so it seems like and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you recently transitioned so you guys, or David, however you want to phrase it, built a wonderful brand out of Tipsy Texan. Uh-huh. And that started with classes. Uh, it started with a blog. Started with a blog. And when did the blog start, roughly? I think 2007. 2007. I think that's right. And when did you guys, When did that get parlayed into the classes? Fairly quickly. Pretty quick. Maybe in, maybe in 2009. Yeah. 
So it was something, did you see kind of the, the rise and the transformation of the brand Tipsy Texan? Uh, yeah, you know, where we kind of started with it was being involved in a lot of charity uh, thing. We were oh, really? involved in, we were heavily involved with Edible Austin when it first started uh-huh. uh, from the beginning. Was it national then or was it just local then? Because I've got so many different chains of it now. Edible like Communities that. was already out there. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, Ojai in California was the very first one, I think. And then Manhattan was the second one. Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. I do believe that um, Austin is still the largest. Oh, really? In terms of its publication, like how big it is. Right. Uh, Yeah, I've worked with them a couple times. Really, really cool. Um, And and, and we were involved a lot with um, the museum and and various other. Museum here? Uh-huh. Yeah. And various other things in the community that we would just, we just liked doing cocktails. You know, we, yeah. we were so intrigued by the history right. and all of these, uh, the social aspects of, of cocktails that we didn't know about mm-hmm. until we, I had found Craft of the Cocktail by Dale DeGroff. And mm-hmm. that's what kind of started us down that path. It was laid out very much like a, like a, a um, like a study guide in a way, oh, I guess, really? you okay. know, it's Close. like, like, like a textbook. Yeah. 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 Um, and so we just started to look through the book mm-hmm. and we started at his place and my place. We started like buy ingredients and they, one of us would go to the other place. So I was like, have you tried this thing? Yeah. You know, so every night we'd be trying something new. Was it hard to find stuff? Oh, sure. Then? It yeah. was. Yeah. Like there were many things where something... like, can't make that. Can't, don't even know what that is. Can't yeah. find it. What yeah. about now? Most things. It's out there now, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. that's, we're talking a six year transformation in the industry in a sense, right? Yeah. So you take this kind of love. I, I imagine it's felt like a puzzle too, right? Like these flavors and kind of trying to balance them out, understanding where they came from. Mm-hmm. Was there something, was there a drink that you particularly, I mean, I, sometimes we were exposed to these things. We get sort of a preference. Was there something that you found particularly delicious or that you liked to make or explore? Hmm. I mean, it's we all explored, delicious. We course, explored but... a lot of old fashions. Oh, really? And I, I remember... Going to, I forget which liquor store, but like, oh, look, there's um, a Sazerac 18. Boom. Oh, I'll just grab okay. that. You can, it was just on the shelf, you know, and yeah, I didn't yeah, know yeah. it. You know, we, so we were like, I think we're going to make great cocktails with this. So we're making Manhattans and Old Fashions and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, these are so amazing. <laughs> and now today you can't even get, you know, Yeah, you got to wait in part. line yeah. to just try to get it. And you um, guys are just tossing it. Yeah, it's a great. I think, let me, uh, I think an original, you know, a, a simple daiquiri yeah. was kind of a revelation. Yeah. It is the Beatles, I think. Huh? It's where everything starts. Not, not maybe not historically and chronologically. Sure. But the concept of a three-note song yep. or a three-chord song that yep. is a fundamental piece of everything art-based, uh-huh. I think, because sweet citrus boost, right? Yep. And so, what is it about the daiquiri that you particularly like? The simplicity of it? Yeah, I guess so. It's just it. It's well. The way that you can play with the different rum, you know, the, yeah, the, it allow the other two components are just sitting there, right? You know? Right. I mean, although you can play with different sugars, yeah, but it's a marginal in comparison to the difference the rum makes, right? right? And so <coughs> that is interesting to me, yeah. And it's just like you said, it's just so simple. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hide anything. Um, it does. It's not trying to be uh, precious, right? Um, Cute nuance is not I mean, trying to be bold it's just is what it is it, right yeah it's just a gorgeous cocktail you know michael phillips 
<laughs> he said it was a metaphor, like the acoustic set. It's the acoustic set. Mm. Once you can do the song, simple, bare bones, then uh-huh. go ahead and branch off. Okay, but that, yeah. that is the the essence of of cocktails right there. It's a, it makes me think of uh, I, I we had a client and I ran into one of the staff recently. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, I just I seem to like learn how to make cocktails like you guys, and I want to make things. And da da da. In my head, I'm like, man, this is just like the Japanese say about us and our cocktails. Like uh-huh. these guys never want to learn like the the foundation and the classics. They right. just want to go off and create off things. And, yeah, and it is difficult to do that if mm-hmm. you don't have the experience in the understanding those basic classic cocktails and the foundation and how various notes play with each other. Right. right. Um, and once you have that, those kind of recipes, those foundational things in your head, mm-hmm. then you can start to think of like how flavor and culinary and all that can play into right. it. And you can start to spread out. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I do think... We see, we do tend to see a lot of people who just will go willy nilly into creating things, right? Without really understanding why they're doing it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, sure. Yeah, it's cool to have a tarragon infused simple syrup, right? Yeah. But why are you doing it? You know, and if you know why, that's the key between an incredible cocktail and a cocktail that feels ill conceived. I think that's a compound syrup. It's not a simple syrup anymore. <laughs> See, there you go. I don't even know. I just know how to make it, but I would never, I wouldn't dare put it in a cocktail. Mm. Actually, no, I, I kind of like tarragon. Tarragon's tarragon. delicious. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting concept, though. Is there other kinds of syrups? So there's a simple compound, just a brief tangent. A polygonal syrup? There probably are. Yeah. Does it matter? Like, do you personally like to get that complicated and convoluted, or do you like to keep it simple? Are you a three chord guy, or are you like a seven chord guy? No, no, I'll, I'll, it depends. We'll play around sometimes. It depends. On, it mm. depends on who the audience is going to be. You know. Yeah. Um. I, often. A lot of times when we would do, various events, and there were multiple, other bars or things there. Right. And it was a, you know, this is maybe early on, but a consumer event. Mm-hmm. We would tend to be relatively simple. Right. You want to play to the masses in a That's sense, right. right? Yeah. And and invariably. Play some, the hits, Some of our friends Joe. are making these very complicated, yeah, you know, beautiful cocktails. Just sure. beautiful. But the audience didn't quite get it. They were yeah. making a cocktail for us, you know, yes. for, for, for our friends, right, our group, right. you know, that group. And uh, so that was, I think that is changing, yeah. you know, as the consumer's palate changes and they understand more and they're calling, you know, you look at kids in college now calling for Manhattans, you know, and things like that, yeah. that we would... You know, would have never even known right, what that right. except I knew my dad made one every once in a while. Yeah. It, but it's a great point. Like, you want to watch, mm, let's think of a, a simple movie here. You want to watch Star Wars, not Lost Highway. Now, it, of course, I always do the film thing, but like Spielberg, simple, straightforward. He plays to his audience. Yeah. And then Lynch, who plays to his interferes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, her head or Blue Velvet. That's a different deal. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I think you're right. The audience eventually does come around. Mm-hmm. You know, it took Lynch at least like three or four hits before he got Blue Velvet and kind of made sense. But you think it is changing. You think people are getting more adventurous. Who did Mulholland Drive? That's Finch or David Lynch as Freaking well. Mulholland Drive. I know, dude. I can't even follow it still. I literally stood up at the end of that movie and I was like, I was like, what the hell? 
I'm not lying. I stood up in the theater. I was just like, what the hell? I don't even want my money back, but someone's got to answer I just wanted to like, questions. what just happened? Yeah, I just yeah. need to know. Somebody tell me. Who's a little old couple? Why are they coming out of a paper sack? What the fuck is going on? Why do they just flip characters? I don't even know what's going on here. Dude, that, that is... God, there should be a, a some kind of support group for David Lynch film viewers. Because we all have questions. There probably is one. We're just I, not part of it. Probably so. Yeah, it's underground. It's really underground. Oh, dude, it's got to be underground. There's no other way. Like Eraserhead? Still, I remember my, I, I watched it when I was like four or five. My mom had a group of people over and we watched it in the VCR. I'm like, I don't think you were supposed to watch it. <laughs> I don't think I was peeking in from when I got up out of bed. But anyway, even from that point, it's like, yeah. yeah, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. I still don't know what he's thinking. But do you think that, do you think that, I, oh, so here's a good example. So consumer behaviors are kind of changing. This is absolutely manifested by the increase in gins on the market for example like when would you have seen 20 gins on the, the shelf before this is the first time we, we see that so does that make you excited that people are really really becoming more open to new things with cocktails absolutely yeah yeah well and spirits i mean spirits in general yeah, yeah just spirits in general there's so many more things available yeah <coughs> well and, and and just in texas you know right we have so much more available now than we did it's inc- it's crazy. Like we're said, actually like a feasible ago, market now. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll give us special stuff, mm-hmm. right? Are we? Did we get the Chinar seventy proof yet? I don't know. Texas? I keep seeing. It. I have a tiny sample at home. How is it? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just instead of just, being what sixty, it's seventy. I don't it wasn't know, is it very 60? high. I I don't I don't know how high it was before. It wasn't very high proof. Yeah. Before something like that. It's it's noticeably different. Is it really mm-hmm. more more textured, more flavor? I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Less of the syrupy sweet. Good. So a little bit smoothed out. Yeah. I like that. Well, speaking of smoothed out, we'll diverge for just a moment. So you have picked the Mescalero number eight, which mm-hmm. is a nice blend of Sierra Negra and Tepestate. I don't know the ratio on this particular one, but it has some nice sweetness to it. And something that I think you might notice, I, I just recently noticed there's a bit of a hue in the distillate in the bottle. Yeah. Did you ever notice that yellow? No, sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's wonderful that it's still that rustic and still that way in the bottle. And how do you feel about the Mescalero series, those blends, just in general? Uh, I I enjoy them. You know, we only get we don't get them all. Yeah. Like the first one I ever had was eight. Uh huh. Um, and that may very well have been the first mezcal I had. To be oh, honest. no kidding. <coughs> it, it may have been that or Oaxaca. Yeah, which Oaxaca? The Espadine or just whatever? Uh, I think I tried the whole lineup at one time. Oh, cool. Because we used to do a lot of things with Kenny. Yeah. Did, is there something about mezcal seems to be this not mistress but this muse for a lot of people in mm-hmm. the industry i mean myself included that it there's something so complex yet simple about it and pure how, how what was your impression of mezcal did it put you off at first or did you instantly get it i don't i don't remember being put off by it mm-hmm. you know we were already avid tequila drinkers you know very all different types of you know We'd always buy if we saw a tequila we didn't have. Yeah. Like we gotta try that and see right. what it's like. Um, and I, I really think it's because of Kenny Flores that we even became aware, yeah, it, in in depth and started to really dive into it. And then as the education program and things built, Tipsy Tech and all that built out, you know, right. a lot of that kind of came in all at the same time. How do you feel about it being coming in increasing force in the portfolio of agave spirits? Something that people are really, really getting into. You think that's dangerous or a good thing? I'm concerned about it. Yeah. Because um 
it's such a unique spirit and mm-hmm. it's comes from a plant that takes so long to mature right some of them 30 years yes this one specifically um, tepestate over 20 yeah. years and i think it that that popularity is a problem especially when it's a popularity in the american consumer because we tend to be voracious consumers yeah. when so when the gen pop decides that holy cow look at all these people are drinking mezcal let's right. do it and that is just going to stress what is an amazing export from our neighbor to the south mexico right. and it's an indigenous beautiful thing that they do along mm-hmm. with all of their agave spirits you know so yeah, poles and everything else yeah. um, and <coughs> and so i have a concern there and mm-hmm. and i i think that it should be priced like it's precious. Yeah. Well, it, it somewhat is. It somewhat mean, is. I but, think that some, I mean, but people, to, I mean, I, I, I've heard people complain about the pricing. The pricing. Although it's a representation of the scarcity for one. It's a rare thing. And yeah. not everyone should be able to drink a rare thing. Right. And if you can find it and get it, then you should sure. have to pay for that and cherish it and, yeah. and, and you know, and, and enjoy it. And, and when it's gone and you'll still remember, I mean, you'll still, you know, I, I, oh, I yeah. nurse that for, I think we're on our second bottle of this one, perhaps. Oh, really? Okay. It may still be the first. I don't know. I can't remember. But I just nurse, 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 you know, and and, and I found those two and I was so excited because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in years, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we saw the, is it the 12? Yeah, and 12 sound. There's a Cupriata and then... Yeah, there's another one out. Is it 11 mix. or 13? Yeah, 12 or 13. I can't remember. I think there's two out right now. There, well, it's the, is it 10 and 11? Is that right? I've seen a 12 out. So oh, there was 10, 11, and now yet, 12 is out. Okay. Oh, cool. I so, mean, I, I like that process, though, you know, because yeah. it's I different villages, different releases, different varietal blends and stuff. It's actually a really interesting approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, kind of academic, you know, where you yeah. get to taste the different. But like you brought up the Oaxaca um, Tepestate. Yeah, the Tepestate. And it is also very fun to taste side-by-side tapasates or arcanios or, or, you know, or even espadines and see what different people do with different, you know, how they do it differently. It's insanely different. And it's in a sense, like it's, you could say varietal agnostic because I've had stuff now that doesn't taste like what other things taste like. And in a sense, I could just go on blind and not even think about like hard aligning it to a varietal, you know, because some espadines taste so different if they're done in clay or copper. Mm -hmm. It's like, is even really fair to just lump these together. You know? I think it's interesting because uh, this came up. It may have been at that Mescal Fest that I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, at uh, Tacoba, right? At Tacoba. How did that go, by the way? It went well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was worried it was going to be a mess. Yeah. Um, but the crowd was very respectful. Sure. Cool. Um, How many bottles were you sl- slinging out there? I just had the illegal wine. Oh, cool. Okay. Which is. The- oh, in total, there were probably. Uh, around 25 oh, wow. different mezcals that oh, were out there. Cool. And you're working with Illegal now, which they've got the Hoven and the Repo. Is that right? They have a Hoven Reposado and an Añejo. Añejo as well. Añejo. Yeah, Añejo is in both bourbon and French oak. Okay, cool. How yeah. long do you know? Roughly? Uh, I know in total it's 13 months, gotcha. but okay. I don't know the ratio and what how long it spends in each one. Do you, do you appreciate those nuances of barrel, barrel flavors with mezcal? I know some people are some myself included, frankly, yeah. that I love the young, untreated spirit. But how do you feel it, the flavor develops as it's aged like that? I am typically a Hoven drinker, and yeah. it's rare that you will find aged mezcal. Yeah, um, I think it's a different type of spirit. I think it's sure. I think it's interesting, but it gets a lot more. It gets a lot of different notes. So that 
that Añejo mm. has a lot of cognac-like qualities to it, I yeah. think. Uh, so I, th- it's for a, a drinker who probably... So here's how I do it. Yeah. If, if, a, if someone comes up to me and I, I, I ask them and I have those three products in front of me and they're... You know, what do you typically drink? You know, what do you drink? Like, right, oh, I right. drink, I drink, you know, bourbons or whatever. Yeah. I will start them at the añejo end, right, and bring them down because invariably, if people's first experience with mezcal is a joven, mm-hmm. that's a shock. Can I be a shock to their palate? Mm-hmm. So if I bring them from the more woody, caramelly, you know, baking spice notes, I bring them down and start to back them out. Mm-hmm. Then their palate's prepared. And they don't feel so shocked when they get to the Hoven. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, if they're tequila drinkers, then I go the other way. Oh, fair I enough. I move them from the Hoven up the other right. way. Interesting. You yeah. know, I, I always think that, <coughs> that it's me. like seeing, so you're, let's say you're really, really drunk and you're in a bar and it's darkly lit and he's like, man, this person's really attractive. And you go up and you're like, everything's good. Everything's good. And then Hoven is when the lights go on at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> trying it's to like, gnaw your arm wow, off. Oh god! Shit! What was I thinking? Right, but it, I feel like the I I think there's this whole other strategy and this whole other art to using barrels to implore, invoke flavor and stuff. Too. Sure, and I think it's really really interesting. And this is only just the beginning of that. There could like because like you said, not a lot of mascals that have a lot of barrel treatment to it. Right. So when did you start? So there's been a little bit of a transition that's occurred with the Tipsy brand. Um, and if you're mm-hmm. at liberty to talk about it, David kind of transitioned to the Patron gig, and then you, yeah. who had been a part of it probably probably the whole time, are like, yeah. now I'm doing it, right? So yeah. you are tipsy now. Not, well, he's now always going to be tipsy Texan. I mean, yeah. he's always going to be the tipsy Texan. Right. Because <coughs> he drinks but more than you. The organization <laughs> itself, yeah, it's yeah. me. So yeah. I have it now. Um, and we have people that work, you know, re- on a regular basis Staff with us. Yeah. yeah, and... Also, just friends in the industry that you know, for depending on what the event is, you yeah. know, they help. What we'll what do you them. what is Tipsy Texan mean to you now? Is it a consulting group? Is it an event coordinator? Is it a marketing regime? What what exactly does it mean now? Because it's grown so much. Yeah, you know, it's been many things over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, two months for these two months leading up to the wedding, we kind of purposefully put most things on hold outside of the brand representation that we right, do. Right. Right. Uh, Which we is didn't the take day on, job, kind of, right? Yeah, so we do Cooper Spirits, mm-hmm. um, and we also have Whistle Pig. Yeah, well, yeah, good, good. Um, and so we kind of put all the event things and not really taking out. We didn't take on any events or anything like that mm-hmm. uh, to give us a break. And now it's kind of in the period of what it's it trying to figure out. What do we see it doing yeah. you know, down the road? Because with David uh, over at Patron now, they're there are components of it that made sense when he was around, but yeah. they don't may not make sense now. Yeah. Um. So we're working on those pieces, um, and and really trying to find the great the best direction for it, right? Uh, and where it should focus. Do, do is there something that you ultimately see it becoming, or is it what it needs to be? Because sometimes you know there's that long, as, as some say, the long con. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, are you looking to turn into a brand itself that makes spirits? I don't think we'll ever make spirits. Yeah, I don't. We've never really had that desire mm-hmm. because they're. It's kind of like we don't really make bitters, right? Because there are people who make bitters probably better than we're ever going to make bitters. Right. That's why nobody. Well, that's why I won't make whiskey right now. Sure. Kentucky's yeah. got it all locked up, man. Who does? Kentucky. Oh, of course. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. People, <laughs> <laughs> young whiskey brands, they're like, 
oh, this is the best whiskey in the world or whatever. I'm like, well, sir, yeah. There's some folks with the 200 years lead time on you, and yep. they're doing a fine job. They and I can... think that we should just relax and appreciate everything together. And, and <laughs> so diplomatic. And simmer. Man, that, <coughs> you know, the Texas whiskey thing, and I'll, let, me, let me say it so no one else is a bad guy, right? I don't care how much people stand behind Texas whiskey. It's Texas whiskey, and it has to have its own designation because it's simply not as good as whiskey unfortunately so in, in terms of bourbon itself uh-huh. right so I, I go back to bourbon because you talk about jazz you talk about bourbon these are our original contributions that america has made to mm-hmm. the spirits industry or to art in general bourbon is something that somehow reflects the people so perfectly and reflects the terroir so perfectly that god damn it's beautiful right no one outside of kentucky has done an excellent job let's just say excellent right no one's got an a outside of Kentucky yet. Now, some solid C's and maybe a B minus, but do you think that's the 200 years of experience that's causing that difference? Or do you think people are just too eager to do something quickly? Uh, that difference is, I mean, <coughs> well, like you said, terroir for one thing. Yeah, that limestone uh, that water. That limestone water, all uh, those yeah. things, that the, the climate, how the shifts in temperature and things play but in more, the right Much houses, more moderately than All Texas those things, does, yeah. Uh, play into that that spirit yeah um and you know i'm from louisville yeah so bourbon has always been it's in our blood. house i'm sure that two percent of your blood is bourbon that probably probably is as a baby it was it was two percent <laughs> bourbon was profoundly. a cure-all yeah. yeah um yeah i i i am excited that we're we have people who are Trying. doing these things yeah. and, and, and making and trying to make these spirits. Um, you know, I'm really going to be interested to see the Treaty Oak Boys because yeah. theirs is in the barrel. They we always wanted to make whiskey. We haven't seen anything. Yeah. Um, I think Real Ale as well is trying oh, I didn't know that. to okay. get something going. Very cool. Uh, so it's going to be, I think we'll see more. You yeah. know, a, bourbon, a lot of people who come seem to come into this, at least this is my experience, mm-hmm. when we went to that first Tales of the Cocktail that we went to in, I think, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who were there with a vodka or a gin, they wanted to make bourbon. Right. But you need money because yeah. you make bourbon and it sits in a barrel for X number of years, you know, depending on what you're yeah. doing. So a lot of these people uh, went on to just make gin and, right. and vodkas because they needed cash flow. How do you and, feel about that as a mom? You know, being a, a, someone that owns a distillery, yep. I feel like, so, let's let's uh, make it a metaphor for relationships, for example. If you know the kind of woman, or the, the, rather the kind of person you want to marry, if you know the traits that they need to have, and you are willingly engaging and in a long-term relationship with someone that doesn't have the traits that you really want, you know you're just going to dump them and go to the thing you truly love. So to me, I feel like it's kind of a cop-out to go make something that's really second best. And I think it's been problematic that people have done that because what you've it just basically you've pumped the market with a bunch of spirits that are like second best spirits. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. if everybody just held out for the funding and held out to put out the product that they dreamt of and the product that they were passionate about, I kind of feel like we would have elevated the spirits market more truly than we did. That makes you know? sense. I mean, it's just something I feel like it's like 
yeah, you can make a vodka, and that's that's totally fine. If you're passionate about vodka, like yeah. Tito is, yeah. just fucking do it because you're gonna you're gonna do a great job because passion resonates with people, and there's no faking that these gins and these vodkas people are putting out. They don't. They're second thoughts, mm-hmm. you know. And it's one of the things that. Sorry to, to go on this slight tirade, right? No. But it's something that's happening more and more that people aren't doing what they really want to do. Uh-huh. They're settling so that they can eventually do the thing that they want to do. And I suppose there's something to that. But don't you think it would be a cleaner, a much higher sta- standard in the industry if people just did the thing that they really wanted to do in the first place? Well, Sure. <laughs> but I don't think that those opportunities are always there, like you're saying, in terms of right. wait for the funding and do those things. Yeah. Tito will tell you, don't get other people's money. That's right. Yeah. Use your own. You know, don't have partners and things like that. You know, try yeah. and do it all yourself if you can. And I think many entrepreneurs would probably tell you that yeah. if, if they've had one way or the other. Right, you know? right. Don't get the other. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Chip would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> so. Other people at this involved, point. Yeah. You know? but, it, but I digress. I mean, I think because whiskey is such a sacred thing to the Americas or bourbon. Chip Tate era. I've seen that. This is uh, blah, blah, blah from Chip Tate era. (laughs) Right, right. Come on. I've seen that stuff. (coughs) I've seen that stuff gray market now. Uh It's like 250 bucks. True blue. I'm like, come really? Chip Tate era. Chip Tate era. Oh, I have one of the skinny top bottles. What's that worth? That is worth way more. But I mean, God, it's just the bourbon market in that sense is blown up. Yeah. So just crazy. So, but so you're working with Eli Gal. You're working with Whistlepig. How's that 12 year? I haven't had a chance to try that yet. Uh, I have only had it out once. Yeah, it was nice. It was delightful. It's really, really, really yeah, good. It was delightful. Yeah. Do you see? I think that with with Hank kind of coming on board. Too. Hank's your guy. Yeah, Hank's you want to try some of that 12 year? Yeah, I know. I know. I I pinged him the other day. Like, hey, you got some of this? Like, everybody drank it all. Uh-huh. But I think that things are going to go really well for, for those rye whiskeys, and I think that Eli Gal is in a good spot too for the mezcal. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. So in Cooper, we have Lock, Stock, and Barrel, which is a thirteen-year-old rye. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and then a new one that's Hockstetter's. It's a vatted rye, so it's a blend. Okay. Um, and uh, it's hundred proof, and it's kind of interesting. It's mm-hmm. it's funny. Like I did a talk at Glazer, and I noticed when you first open that bottle, it's very tight. Oh really? Yeah, it's super tight. So I um, so so I think I understand what you mean, but try to articulate that. Yeah, better. try to articulate that a little bit. So uh, I noticed when I first poured it out um, in a glass from a brand new bottle, uh, and by t- it was just hot. You got a lot of heat. It's a hundred proof. It's gonna be hot anyway. Sure, but sure. a lot of spirits can hide that well. Yeah. Um, and the flavors on the palate were um. A little harsh, yeah. in my opinion. And so, I was like, I was I was very excited about it. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, damn. This is not what I was expecting out of this bottle. And so, I tried a couple of cocktails with it. And so, right. that kind of wheedled the bottle down. I left the glass sitting over there. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to the glass and, the, and it, it had it's opened up. To so, breathe, it had all these yeah. like really pretty floral notes. Um, a lot of like rye bread. Yeah. Um, what else was kind of in there? I love kind of that dry spice too. That's it does have some intermingles like, with that the floral those stuff, baking spice sort of dry spice stuff. Yeah. And and how uh, old is this one again? So you're talking it's a hundred proof. It's a hundred proof. It's a blend of years. Okay. Um. Any any gear like age statement about the youngest or just I think the youngest blend? is 
Well, I may have misspeak here, but I think it's four. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. No, but that's good. I mean, that's yeah. good. It's a good color on it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I know, so I, I got a bottle, you know, about a third out right, or more right. and then went back to it and it was quite different. So it's, I was telling glazed people, I was like, Hey, you know, I have, I, I have an empty bottle. I split a bottle now. Yeah. So I just have two that have a lot of headspace and it's beautiful. It's crazy how that <laughs> happens to a lot of those. And, and that exactly what I thought you meant mm-hmm. when you talk about the tightness, mm-hmm. there's actually a lot. So I think Weller 12 is like that actually. Yeah. That once I first get it, it's pretty tight, uh, kind of acetonish, yep. very, very alcoholic, fumy. But then you just kind of let it around and it develops that body that you love, the leather, mm-hmm. the cherries, that the, the darkness, you know. I thought that the um, Eagle Rare 101, the, oh. uh, the 10 101 yeah. was like that. No kidding. Well, they have, man, when did they last make that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you have a bottle. I'm like, why is he holding out? Why is Joe holding out? It's on, on the shelf, dude. I know, dude, but so still. It's a big shelf. You know, if someone were to, perhaps this is an opportunity actually for, for Tipsy Texan to offer tours uh-huh. uh, of a pretty, you know, good market value price <laughs> and uh-huh. have people just kind of go through the shelf and like take half ounce here and there. Uh-huh. And it'd be, that'd be an amazing, amazing we thing. We used to do that with Tipsy Tech. Oh, did you really? Uh-huh. Just bring in stuff and have people kind of try it. Well, we bring them to the house. Oh. I didn't realize that. Uh-huh. We'd have like lab hours or office hours. And no shit. Come to the house. Well, the professors, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Are you sure? Are you sure? But uh. So did you actually? That begs the question: Did you go to school for this stuff, or just fall into culinary arts, if you will? Uh, no. Uh, I I was a theater and English major. Really? Yes. Uh, and. Was going to be a teacher as well, but I couldn't stay in school that long. I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm not doing that. uh, High school or did you do some college in Dallas? This is college. Yeah. I was college in Kansas. Oh, no kidding. Okay. And, uh, but it was too, it was like too daunting. It was just, well, I already had two majors and I was going to tack on education, Uh but that would have been five years. I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't do five years. So, um, no, I, I, it's just learning, you know, starting with that Dale DeGroff book and just going from there and learning yeah. and grabbing, talking to people and, you know, you know, you interact with a lot of the brand ambassadors and things you learn about the right. spirits and just doing your own research. There is an element that is centered around drama, though, isn't there? I guess. Performance. You know, I, I like that personal interaction. You know, my that job that I have, my day job. Yeah. It's not like that. So, you know, we kept doing the farmer's market for a long time. We sold coffee at the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed doing that because it was that one-on-one interaction and telling people about the product and you know right. getting them engaged and all the nuances of the different beans and things. And and that was really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And and this the spirits world is very much that same way and, and, and getting to really know and love a spirit and be able to talk to people about it and and engage them. Yeah. And, and it's fun to talk to someone who is you know, very educated like yourself or Hank, you. you know, yeah. who, in yeah, the yeah. space, but it's also equally fun to talk to. So I'm not a, a person who it's almost more fun. Right. It's really explain to like someone, the things that you know about a product or, or, or what have you, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and help someone start to go down the same kind of rabbit hole. Well, it's nice to see their eyes perk up. Yeah. 
You know, it's like, oh, really? Like, That's do you notice that? this flavor is in that? And yeah. da, da, da. Sometimes you're tricking their palate a little bit when you, I try not to, I try and ask them first, like what they're getting. A lot right. of times they don't have the words. the power suggestion is really, really Of course, powerful. yeah. You yeah. taste those baked apples, don't you? I do taste the baked <laughs> yeah, apple. Yeah, baked apple. Oh, now that you say it. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, it's more like a pear. No, it is more like a pear. Yeah. Yeah. It's all- <laughs> so you do it, are the classes going to resume anytime soon? Or are you guys? That's one thing I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. yeah what's that going to look like? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing. I think that I've met so many people that were connected with you guys because of those classes. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of people very life changing for them. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. Sometimes people don't, and, and I want to approach this delicately, but sometimes don't, people don't understand their influence mm-hmm. on other people. And it seems like not only in in an emotional way and being a nice core of positivity, like you and David, your love, your relationship, and how that exudes and really encourages other people to be themselves and in love right all these things yeah but you guys have influenced a lot of people a lot of what we could say are all-stars in mm-hmm. this this industry and you're not going to stop right well i don't think we seek to influence necessarily i know that's um, why you do because so, you're not trying to yeah you just you are yourselves you know yeah we just are love it you know we're passionate about these things yeah well, it's, it's really been a wonderful, I, I haven't known you guys all that long. And uh, actually I want to, I'll share the first time that, uh, you know, I'll put it this way. Uh, I'm good at peacocking <clears throat> and mm-hmm. I, apparently David was good, was good at it too. And we both like butted heads amazingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's wonderful to see how soft you both are, but how intelligent and insightful. And I really thank you for what you guys do. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for talking with me, Joe. Appreciate it. Cheers. Well, there we go. What do you guys think? Joe's a real great guy. He's easy to talk to. He's very warm. He loves karaoke seemingly more than I do, which is a great feat in itself. And I can't wait to see what Tipsy Texan does here in the upcoming months. I think we're going to see some wonderful things from them. And for me... The real takeaway from this conversation is that this year at the USBG holiday party, Joe and I have to sing a karaoke duet. You guys pick what it's going to be. I'm kind of open to whatever, right? Maybe some extreme. I don't know. But at any rate, thank you, everybody, for listening to Show to V. I'm Mike G. And no matter what you do, karaokeing or not, keep dancing.